0: Radio Welcome back to the Lawfather podcast. As always, I ask that you rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Always, you can reach me at 855-LAWFATHER. You can call or text that number, or you can email me at lawfather at com. Those are all the best ways to reach out, and if you have a legal question, Go ahead and and hit me up on one of those channels and i'll get that question on the show here and we'll get that answered so here we are we are just under a week after election and we have uh, supposedly a candidate named president now uh, let's take a deep dive look into that whether joe biden is truly our president-elect and the Trump lawsuits. There are 10 at this time. Uh, some of them have been resolved, but there are there either are or were 10 total, five out of Pennsylvania. And then let's take a look at the Joe Biden mask mandate that is uh, being touted as the first act as president. So let's look at all of those pieces to the puzzle. All right, let's start with who our president is at this moment in time. Uh, And it's a two-part answer, if you will. Number one, uh, Donald Trump is still the president. He will be the president until January 20th, 2021. Uh, That is when the new president takes office or if Trump were to have been reelected, he would take uh, his reelection, his second term would start on January 20th, 2021, okay? So now we have, and we look at, we go, well, well, Joe Biden's the president-elect, right? Yeah, of course he is, because the news media totals told us so. Well, take a, take a little bit closer look at that. And what we have here is the Associated Press has declared Joe Biden the winner of the, the 2020 presidential race based on the amount of electoral votes, which is based on the amount of what's called the popular vote. So I want to look at this and what that really means and who actually elects the president, because it's actually not you or I. Okay, it's actually not the people who go in and fill in the ballots. Okay, from a technical standpoint, right? for practical purposes, yes, the people who are filling in the ballots—the you and I, the the Joe average citizen—they are the ones electing the president, but not officially. Okay, so what we've had thus far is essentially an unofficial election, um, and I don't mean that in a in a negative way by any stretch of the imagination, but it's important to know what our process is. And if you remember back to the uh, 2016 campaign and you had Trump and you had Clinton and you know, there was talk that could the electoral college go rogue? Now who is the electoral college? And why could they go rogue? Because well, the people have voted and, and their voices have been heard. So why isn't that person our president? So. What I'm really getting to here is that the popular vote, the, the vote where we go in and we fill out our ballot and we drop it in uh, where the ballots go and then it's counted, that's not who elects the president. Who elects the president is the Electoral College. Now, the Electoral College is a, a group of individuals and each state has their, their electorates, they're called, and each state has a certain number. And I believe it's based on population, the bigger the population, the more uh, electoral votes you have, okay? So Alaska has less electoral votes than Florida. Uh, Florida has 20 some, and I believe Alaska has three, okay? To give you a little bit of uh, an area there of what that looks like. So they're the ones who actually vote in the president. Now, if you think back to the Clinton and Trump uh, election, there was some question, could the electorates go the opposite way? Could they say, well, the the people in our state wanted one thing, but we want to vote another way. So I don't think we're going to have that here. Right. I don't think we're going to have that in this election. We didn't have it the first time Trump was elected. And I don't think we're going to have that in this one where the Electoral College changes things. Okay. But the Electoral College is the one who actually votes in the president who makes it official. And we won't see that until uh, I believe it's December that they finally meet. What happens is, is you have all these votes and they have to be certified by the individual states. A couple of the states don't certify their votes until early in December. So what we have now and what we will have for the next few weeks are unofficial results. Okay, I'm not questioning whether or not the results will change, but I think it's important to know and understand our system and the way it works. And I think that's a really, really very important and powerful thing. Uh, if we look at the way some other countries do it, a lot of other countries, they do it as one national voting system. And what well, we have, we have 50 different voting systems. So I, I think that's a very good thing. I, I think it, it you know it allows the different regions to hone in on what's important to them. And that's one of the things that our country was based off of. That is one of the reasons why the federal government isn't the full and all powerful. A lot of times it's the state and local governments that are actually for their people more powerful than the federal government. And we're going to look at that as we look at the mask issue here uh, in a little bit, but that's what it looks like as we're looking at the voting and so the electoral college here in a few weeks they will do what they do and name the president and just to take a look back with the popular vote all right it it looks like in this one biden's going to win the popular vote which is the we filled in dots and submitted our votes as joe average citizen okay and that's going to match up with the electoral college now what you can actually have and this is what happened in 16 was that clinton actually won the popular vote there were more people more joe average citizens who voted for clinton however okay donald trump had won more of the bigger states for the electoral college okay so for example you could have you could be a unanimous winner in alaska right? Every single person votes for you in Alaska. Well, you still only get those. Like I said, I believe it's three. You still only get those three electoral votes in Alaska. Okay. Even if a hundred percent of the people vote for you. Okay. That's it. But you get those 20 some in Florida, but you squeak it out. You win Florida by 50.5%. Okay. You're not going to have as many of the popular votes. So that's how that works. So the popular vote is important because it tells us who the electoral college is going to choose. Uh, Now, the the Trump and Clinton election was not the first time it's happened. I believe it's happened a total of three times in in the course of the country's history that the popular vote has exceeded the electoral vote. And so the candidate who had less popular vote actually won the presidency. So let's take a look. Now that we understand how the voting works, let's look at some of these 10 lawsuits that uh, and we hear, oh, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump has filed these lawsuits. Well, not all of them. OK, uh, some of them have been filed by the Republican Party. Uh, if we just take a quick look, we have the Republican Party of Pennsylvania, Donald J. Trump or President Inc. We have uh, some individuals, Ham, Kelly, Alfred, Horner, Connor, and Hauser. Uh, let's see what else we have here. We have another Donald J, John, Donald J. Trump for President, Inc. So a lot of different pieces. It's not all Donald Trump in terms of who's bringing these lawsuits. Now, quite frankly, if it's not Trump himself or Trump's entity. OK, so um, that's when we have Donald J. Donald J. Trump for President, Inc. That's a corporate entity. We have the Republican Party. There's no reason to believe that there's any Democrats filing these lawsuits on behalf of Donald Trump. I mean, let's just be honest here. Um, It's all gonna be either the Republican Party, Donald Trump or another Republican filing these suits. So what we have first is five of these are out of Pennsylvania, okay? I think out of these 10, I think a couple of them have some merit and I think they, you know, they, at the end of the day, Joe Biden's going to be the president. I don't think any of these lawsuits change that fact. And that's fine. But from my side as an attorney, from knowing and understanding the system, okay, I want to know that our election system is working. So I don't think that, that these lawsuits change the outcome, but I would like to see some of these lawsuits actually get decided from A to Z and, and tell us what's going on or what's happening, or give us a blueprint for the future. And I think one of them in Pennsylvania, one of the suits in Pennsylvania, really gives us an opportunity to have a clear blueprint for the future. And seemingly Pennsylvania is the only state that allows this, that as long as your ballot, your mail-in ballot was postmarked by November 3rd, they could count it up three days later, okay? I think that's a really important question to answer. And look, it, it's not from a partisan sense. Okay. I don't know. You could have the next election where 98% of those mail-in votes are for the Republican candidate and 2% are for the Democratic candidate, right? Whereas seemingly we had a a reverse in that, right? Where the Democratic candidate this year had more of the mail-in ballots than the Republican candidate. So Biden being the Democratic candidate, Trump being the Republican candidate. And I think it's a really important question to answer. And, And When is the cutoff? We have a voting day, right? November 3rd was our voting day this year. It always falls on a Tuesday, right? I believe it's always the first Tuesday in November. And we used to have a half day of school growing up that because the schools were always the polling sites where I grew up in South Jersey. So it was a great day. Uh, You loved it as a kid because, hey, half day of school. Awesome. Right. But anyway, November 3rd is the day. Shouldn't we have all of the ballots in? Shouldn't we be able to count all of those ballots? The longer those ballots sit, doesn't it open itself up for fraud? Okay. And I'm not alleging any fraud in this election. Okay. I don't know. All I know is the same that you know, right? Those of you who are listening, none of us have inside knowledge. I wasn't sitting there in Pennsylvania or Arizona or any other state where things were going on. Okay. But I, I do know that the longer you let something sit around and the more you let people be in and around these certain things, the more you open up the possibility for something to happen. Okay. So I I think that can be one of the things. And I just think that it's really important. So this is in front of the U S Supreme court and it's the Republican party of Pennsylvania versus Bukvar uh, and it's Skenardi v Pennsylvania democratic party. And it's an appeal of a state Supreme court decision. And what they're asking is they're asking the U.S. Supreme Court the rule that Pennsylvania cannot count mail-in ballots that arrived up to three days after the election day, but that they were postmarked by the actual election day. Okay, now the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to hear that case, right, at the time, but they did leave open the possibility. So the Supreme Court can go, nope, we're not going to hear it. Game over, done. We're not touching it. Or like in this case, they go... We're not going to touch it right now, but we're going to leave it open that, uh, you know, if you want to file more documents, we can we can look into it in the future. And that's what was done. And uh, there was the Supreme Court did ask for those ballots to be separated, uh, the mail in ballots that came after and every other ballot. Now, I don't know. I haven't taken a deep dive look into the pure numbers aspect, whether it matters. And that may be a reason for the Supreme Court not to rule, because if the sheer number of the votes don't matter, right? If if Biden, because Biden has been projected to win Pennsylvania, right? It's not official, okay? he has been projected to win Pennsylvania. If the amount of ballots that came in after are less than what there is already there, it's not going to matter. And the Supreme Court can go, hey, doesn't matter. It's mute. So we're not going to hear it. Uh, I would like to see them actually rule on it uh, because I, I think it would be, really interesting to know. And like I said, I, it would stop issues in the future. So even though it may be mute for this particular election, I think it might be a good thing to know when we get to 2024, what it looks like. Okay. So would absolutely like to see that happen there in Pennsylvania. So that is still ongoing and we will see what happens with that one. We have some others, uh, in Pennsylvania that deal with, uh, similar things, right? This one was Donald J. Trump for president. And that was uh, filed by the campaign and the Republican National Committee that that dealt with those ballots as well. Uh, and actually what this one was, it had to do with the missing identification. So the state was giving people who the there was an identification issue with their ballot to come in between uh, November 9th and November 12th. And... The Supreme Court came in and said, nope. Uh, actually, that was a state court. The Commonwealth Court of Pennsylvania came in and said, nope, uh, those are no good. So that one was actually a win for President Trump. And there's there's some others here in Pennsylvania that deal with uh, the access. So what I didn't know before this election, you may not know is that both sides get to come in and watch the counting process. And there were some questions as to whether or not the Republican side was being given the same access and could actually see the count. Uh, So there was, there was some litigation that involved that and and they were told that the state was told, Hey, yes, you have to let them view these. And I think they used a a six foot distance for them. So that was one of the things there. Uh, You know, as far as that goes, look, if you're not doing anything wrong, why not just open it up? Take a video camera video. It's live. Hey, we have the technology nowadays. Live stream it. Let the whole country see it, right? Now, I'm not, I'm not alleging any improprieties. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm absolutely not. I just don't know. So I'm not going to allege that anything happened. But if everything's on the up and up, right, why wouldn't you want everybody to know? Why would you want this question, right? Why would you want people to go, well... Are they doing something shady or are they not doing something shady? Why not go, look, we're 100% above board and hey, we're going to live stream it because guess what? We can do that now. They could go on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. Just take out a phone. You can do it. So that's that's what that looks like there. Um, so what we have next is Arizona. Like I said, there's five out of Pennsylvania, all essentially say a lot of what we talked about there um you know the the next one if there's any proof to it i think is the most concerning and this is out of arizona and it's out of maricopa county maricopa county is the largest county the most populous county uh in arizona and What the lawsuit says is that potentially up to thousands of voters in Maricopa County were disenfranchised because poll workers directed them to override a ballot rejection by pressing a green button on the machine that actually disqualified their vote without further adjudication. Look, as I've said over and over, I don't know if this is true, okay? But if it is true, I think we all should be very, very concerned. I I think that... Maybe they need to take a look at, at the ballots that that occurred in. And was it all for one candidate or the other candidate? Or was it just simply a poll worker who didn't know what they were doing, right? I do think, you know, lawsuit notwithstanding, there should be some kind of investigation done to figure out what happened and how it happened, right? Our country is based on votes. Our country is based on and our ideals are all based on what the greater good feels, right? What the, the largest set of population feels is best for the country. Okay. And on the state level at your state level. So that said, I do think that's a very important topic. Uh, I do think it's something that lawsuit or no lawsuit, I think needs to be investigated. I think that we all should get an answer as to whether or not that happened. Now, the rest of them, we have Michigan here. The complaint is that they weren't given access enough to see the votes, uh, to see the counting of the votes. Does it matter, right? I I suppose I'm not a a big enough conspiracy theorist to go, well, hey, the people that were there counting miscounted or they were completely fraudulent and just counted, you know, counted a a vote for Biden that actually should have been for Trump. I, I just don't think that's the case. I don't think that changes anything. I think that lawsuit goes away. Uh, we have Georgia, which Georgia actually is becoming an interesting place, uh, because Georgia actually may hinge on who controls the Senate with runoff elections coming in January, because I believe the margin was a little too close, uh, in some of those areas. So, um, we have, a, another lawsuit for, in the Eastern judicial circuit of Georgia that the Trump campaign claims a Republican poll observer, uh, witnessed late ballots being illegally added to a stack of on-time absentee ballots Uh, it was rejected because there was no evidence that the ballots referenced in the petition were received after 7 p.m on election day thereby making those ballots invalid okay so we're alluding to that there's actually laws on the books that say when votes need to be received by kind of refer back to pennsylvania and allowing that three-day delay i do think that is something that needs to be addressed but you know Yes, they may have tossed that lawsuit, but I do think it's something for the integrity of the system that we find out that somebody violate protocol. And what is the ramifications of that? Does it change anything? I I doubt it, highly doubt it, but it is something that I think is important that when we're looking at a full and transparent system that we take a look at and we know what's going on. Nevada, the allegations is... Allegations are essentially that there were irregularities. However, not really any evidence. So let's take a step back. When you are the one bringing a lawsuit or filing a petition or anything like that, you're the one bringing the cause to the court. You have to have proof. It's on you to have the proof to say, this is what the other side is doing. You can't just go, hey, this is what the other side is doing. I promise just take my word for it. It's not okay. You have to have some evidence. And it looks like in Nevada, they really didn't have uh, any evidence for that? And uh, same thing in with in Wisconsin. Uh, a Wisconsin woman who voted for Joe Biden asked a federal court in Manhattan to block the Trump campaign's manager, its lawyer, and any of their agents from seeking the launch of a recount in Wisconsin, claiming in a lawsuit that a Peculiar state law allowing any candidate with ample cash to demand a recount has fueled a scorched earth tactic to sow discord and paranoia in the fields of Wisconsin. Okay. That's another uh, suit that has been filed uh, in Wisconsin. Uh, Doesn't appear to be filed by the president. Not really sure how the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York becomes the proper venue for this out of Wisconsin. Um, But maybe that, you know, if this thing gets legs and takes off, maybe we look at this in a future podcast. But those are the lawsuits that we have currently. Some have been resolved, some haven't. Uh, Look, I don't think the lawsuits change the end result, but I do think the ones that make allegations that something was done improperly I think they need to be looked at and i don't think maybe we don't need the court system to look into it but maybe we need somebody to look into it and i just think it's important for the sake of our system and and the foundation of what our country is built on that that is done so that said those are the lawsuits so let's look at one of the things that has made some pretty big news here as we have president-elect joe biden who has said he's going to take a a tough stance on the coronavirus. And, well, let's look at what that means. Let's look at what can, A, what can a president-elect do? And B, what can a president do to affect those of us uh, who are Joe Average citizen living our lives in any given state? Let's start with the easy answer. Joe Biden, as it stands right now, okay, and any other president-elect as it stands prior to January 20th, has zero power to do anything so this is all talk right now right Let, let's be clear about that and, and whether his name is joe biden or whether it was a republican candidate so in 2024 and it's a republican candidate who wins let's say same thing right it, so this is not just a joe biden can't do anything the president-elect has zero powers as president okay they may hold a, another office somewhere right but it as the role of president-elect you have zero powers that that's it nutshell (laughs) that's what it looks like january 20th 2021 comes gets sworn into office now he has full power to do what a president can do but here's the thing what can a president do president can sign executive orders sure okay but can a president truly make law uh president can sign law okay and a president's the, the final sign off on law, but presidents can veto law, right? The legislature, the House and the Senate make law. Bills come through the House, passed by the House, then it goes to the Senate. If the Senate passes it, then it lands on the president's desk. And if the president signs it, it becomes law. If the president does, doesn't sign it, it gets vetoed and it gets kicked back. And actually there are ways for the Senate to push a law through. I believe it's a two thirds vote for that law in the Senate supermajority uh, to pass, uh, following a veto. Um, it may even be a little bit more strict than that, but there's your constitutional law law school question for the day right there. So can the federal government mandate masks? Okay. And this is not a partisan question. This is a constitutional question. This is a, what powers does the federal government have now? On a broad level, the federal government only has the power to regulate things that affect interstate commerce. What is interstate commerce? Interstate commerce is business that crosses state lines. Okay, Uh, back when I was a deputy, I had a a gun case of really, really bad, bad guy, right? Just long rap sheet, attempted murder on the rap sheet. I think maybe even he had a murder on a prior murder conviction, Uh, just bad overall guy, right? And so we get this gun charge on him and the feds pick it up. And so I learned right from there, I go, okay, well, how do the feds and federal law apply to a seemingly very state-centric case? We have a gun case, right? Has nothing to do, you know, Sunset Point Road in Clearwater, Florida. What does that have to do with the federal government? How do they get involved? How does the ATF come in and go, we're taking that case from you. We want you to testify, but we're taking that from you and we're gonna put him in federal prison. Okay, cool, great. Just tell me when to show up, I'll be there. Um, But how it works is interstate commerce that gun was produced in another state that gun was shipped to florida crossing state lines and that gun was although this guy purchased it on the black market was purchased somewhere legally at some point in time in florida and found its way into this guy's hands therefore interstate commerce therefore the federal government can regulate it okay so how do masks work into this whole thing well let's look at another piece. Let's look at another little bit of history. We go back to 1984. We got president Ronald Reagan and we have drinking ages that are all over the map. Okay. Uh, The going drinking age at that time was 18. All right. And still to this day, 2020, we do not have a national drinking age. Okay. All the states are at least 21, every single one of them, all 50. Right? Well, how can that be, right? If they're all 21, did they just magically, you know, get together and go, hey, let's make it 21? Did the federal government say, hey, it has to be 21? Well, it's actually some combination of those two things. So there was a law that the House and the Senate passed. Ronald Reagan signed it into into existence, and it was the National Minimum Drinking Age Act. And here's how they did it right? Because they, the federal government lacked the power to control the drinking age because it doesn't affect interstate commerce. So they don't have the ability to regulate it. But what this law says is, hey, states, do you want this federal, this federal highway funding? Do you want it? Because we hold the cash. We're the federal government. We have the cash. We're going to give it to you for these highway repairs. However, you're not getting a dime of this cash unless you pass a state law that raises the drinking age to 21. So there you have it. That is why all of the drinking ages in the United States are 21. Not because of a federal law, but because of state laws that were enacted because of federal funding. And if you look at what the plan is, that's the only way that after January 20th, 2021, that soon to be president Joe Biden will have the ability to mandate people wear masks right is through the local governments and what the plan is is to go to governors and get the governors to agree and if those governors don't agree and hey look we're in florida and those of you who watch any bit of news in florida know that our governor ron desantis is a really staunch trump supporter and he is a republican I can't imagine that conversation is going to go very well between President Biden and Ron DeSantis when Biden go President Biden goes, Hey, make your people wear masks. I mean, hey, we already know what Governor DeSantis's take is on this, right? I mean, he obliterated all the local government's ability to really enforce mask laws. We know that okay that happened that was that actually is something that he came out and talked about. so we know what his stance is so Biden's plan B is going to be to go to the next local level, which would be your local mayors to enforce mask mandates. Now, I do think we're going to have a very interesting question in Florida, because as I just mentioned, we do have a governor who has said, yeah, all those mask mandates and all of those outstanding fines that you guys have charged people as a result of not wearing a mask and violating your mask ordinances. Yeah, those are gone. Okay, those don't exist. You can't collect on them. All of those get washed away. So it's gonna be really interesting. And and I think, you know, we may see a divide here, right? We may see, um, you know, really strong Republican states really bucket this and Democrat states, Democrat run states really, you know, embrace this. And so it may be really interesting to see, uh, outside of Florida, the two, the two that I'm thinking of, and I can't remember which Dakota it is. I think it's South Dakota. Uh, I've seen TV commercials from their governor who apparently, I, I don't know anything about South Dakota other than this commercial and their governor appears to be really staunch Trump supporter. And, um, you know, they, their commercial is essentially, Hey, come see us. We welcome you in. We're not going to make you wear a mask. (laughs) That is it in a nutshell. So I don't think that conversation is going to go very well either. But then you take on the other side of it. You have states like New York where uh, the governor, I think, really embraces it. So I think that's what you're going to see. And, And that's the only way that as president, any president can enforce something like this because the federal government lacks the power to do so. Right. So we have this big, broad, Federal government, right? We all think, yeah, the federal government is all powerful. They are the king of the land. Well, that's not the case. And actually, um, you know that—no pun intended on the king of the land thing—but the reality is, we left a monarchy, right? If we trace our history all the way back to the 1700s, we left a monarchy. And the idea was, as they wrote the Constitution, that the federal government was not going to be the be-all, end-all. Okay, we were not going to be a country truly led by the federal government, that we were going to be a country of states and the states run their own states and we're a collection of states that falls under this federal government. And yes, this federal government does have power. So I'm not saying the federal government doesn't. But the true power politically and the true power to enact things comes from the states okay now if we look at republican and democrat republicans want to shrink the federal government right shrink the the power of federal government democrats want to expand the power of federal government okay not saying that towards any one particular individual but that is the the ideals okay of the two parties now look five hundred thousand foot level because there are many 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 other issues that come up right there are, are many different sides of the fence but that's where we are Okay, those are the things that we're looking at here. So we have lawsuits out there. Are they going to matter? I don't think so. Should some of them be investigated? I do think so. Just to ensure for the future. And I think some of those questions need to be answered for the future. I think they're important things for us to have and to know. Uh, Can President Biden, soon to be President Biden, enact a mask mandate? No. He can't, he lacks the power to, he lacks the power to absolutely create a federal law that says you have to, okay? So he'll go to the governors and the mayors if the governors won't allow it. So that's what we have to see. That's what we're looking at here. That is what 2021 is going to bring. So we're going to have an interesting closeout, I think, to 2020. Uh, Remember, President Biden isn't President Biden until January 20th, 2021. He is not officially the president-elect until the Electoral College makes that finding in December. So we have some time for some of these things to play out, although I don't think the outcome changes at all. So anyway, I'm the Lawfather. This is the Lawfather podcast. As always, social media, just search for the Lawfather. You'll find us there. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And this is the Lawfather. Lawfather out.
1: moving on is Veterans Day week. That's what I like to call it. And so I have to have this girl on. She is a badass of all badassery. It is Erica Webster of Dumb Fitness clapping. The reason why I do what I do and I've immersed myself into this world is because when I left the army, um, you know, I had Guantanamo Bay. I was in Baghdad. I was in South Korea. I spent lots of time overseas. And so when I came home, I was I don't say I was stuck as bad as some people were, but I was stuck in my mom's attic for months mm. and I didn't have a drive to do anything. And she, I accidentally went to Westchester university because she was there with my youngest sister looking at colleges. And so I feel like I maybe had like survivor's guilt a little bit. And that's kind of, I feel like it's my karma right now. Like I have to pay back. Like I'm able and I'm here. And I can have the conversations with people because I was given the chance, you know, like my ass got pulled out of bed to go do something with my life. And I have this voice and this personality where I'm not afraid to talk to people and spread the awareness. Um, because most people, it, it's even admitting that you're a veteran. That's the hardest part. And so um, I'm actually... co-host for the Philadelphia um, Veterans Festival. We talk about that during the show where I'm like, I think a lot of it is we were fearful that we're judged. Again, like it's because society doesn't know, I think how to like kind of mesh veterans and civilians, because at some point there was this I don't know. I want to say like rumor or stereotype, but that we're this different breed and we're not. We're still the same person. We just have different experiences. And I think people don't know how to have conversations with us.